Lord, we thank you for your word, even when it surprises us and shocks us and makes us smile. And we pray for Paul now as he preaches. Give him wisdom because he's got a really difficult passage. In your name, amen. for me because firstly I'm not a virgin <laughs> I am a married man <laughs> my wife will listen to the recording of this <laughs> and also I am a man <laughs> talking about marriage and singleness so I ask for your grace <laughs> um, you know, try and be nuanced and deal with this passage faithfully uh, Father God I thank you for your words I thank you that you've said all scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. Lord, as we sit before this passage uncomfortably or uh, giggling inside, Lord, would you speak to us and edify us that we may be your people with undivided devotion to you. Amen. This book, sorry, yeah, go for it. It's like technical glitch. There you go. This book is written to the Corinthians, um, and when preaching, context is important, isn't it? Um, but more than the Corinthians, this is written to Christians and people who have been purchased by Christ. It says in verse 23, you were bought with a price, therefore do not become slaves to anyone. Um, benefit for doubt, I assume everyone in this room is a Christian and considers themselves purchased by God, purchased by Christ. Um, if anyone's bought a phone from Apple, I bought one last year, it, it belongs to you, doesn't it? You've purchased for it, you've paid for it. And Apple may have designed the phone in a way for you to use it, and they may have a preference for how you use it, but it's your phone, you purchased it. And in the same way, God has purchased us, not with money or with a finance plan, but with the precious blood of his son. We belong to Christ. We're not our own. This phrase, you were purchased, you were bought with a price, comes up twice in the whole Bible, and both in Corinthians. Corinthians 6, it says, you were bought with a price, Therefore, glorify God with your body. And in, here it says, you were, purchased, you, you were bought with a price, therefore do not become slaves to human beings. So Paul has written this passage for people who know that they belong to Christ, for people who are not their own, the people who, the life I live now is not my own, I live for Christ. And he says right at the end of the reading, I'm not saying any of this to lay any restraint upon, upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to God. Who wants to have undivided devotion to God? I do. Uh, but there are, there are obstacles in the way, obstacles in our minds, perhaps, uh, and the way we view our circumstances that, that we might look at and go, hang on a minute, I can't give you undivided devotion, God, because of X, Y, and Z in my life. And, and Paul points these out. That's why... The Bible decides to cross over the boundaries of 
English culture and decency and taboo subjects and decides to address things that are important to us, like our work. It says if you're a slave to someone, if you're working for someone, stay there, remain. If you're not, if you're financially independent, that's fantastic. You're still a slave to Christ. Our work belongs to Christ. Not just that, but our relationships, our marriages belong to Christ. Our singleness belongs to Christ. And so, if you're like me, often in my life I go, God, I'd love to give you undivided devotion. I'd love to follow you completely and give you everything because I belong to you. But at the moment, my job makes that very difficult. Or, if I'm being brutally honest, there are times where I've thought, my marriage makes that quite difficult. Given undivided devotion to God, I find that challenging being a father and a husband. And I can't speak for singles, but I wonder if single people have had similar thoughts. I can't step into your purposes for me unless I'm married. We make these uh, excuses and they feel very real to us. And Paul is saying here good news to us. He's saying no, regardless of these situations, whether you work in the church, whether you work at a desk, whether you work at a cashier, whether you're cleaning, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a decorator, remain there. He says, he says it, doesn't he? In whatever condition each was called, let him there remain with God in your work. Whatever it looks like, whether you feel it's compromising the devotion to God, you can remain there with God. And in your marriage, if you think that, oh, my wife is getting in the way, my child is getting in the way, I can't have my quiet times, you can remain there. In your singleness, if you think I can't step into God's promises for me, I'm missing out on something. You can remain there with God. You were bought with a price. And you know, it's, um, it's interesting that the letter of Corinthians opens with Paul. He goes, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle. Paul probably had a plan for his life. Probably wanted to go about killing Christians. But God had a plan for his life says it in verse 17 only let each person lead the life that god has assigned to them we are not our own whatever circumstance we find ourselves in let's remain with god uh so how can we do that how can we do that well um whatever it looks like uh remain with god the first things remain there with god the esv puts this i think slightly better than the niv which we had read for us today uh, it says, in whatever condition he each was called, let, uh, there let him remain with God. Because the Greek says meno paratheos, which I'm, I'm not a Greek expert, but meno means remain, abide, para, like parallel with God, remain with God. We're supposed to remain in that situation, but not just on our own, with God. That word remain is the same one that's used in John 15, where Jesus is talking about, if you want to bear fruit, remain in Christ. Anyone who does not remain in me will not bear fruit. Whatever situation we're in, we can remain there with Christ with us. Just a few months ago, we were looking at Esther, weren't we? And Esther was put into this really difficult position where she was to, to be the wife of a king that she didn't necessarily choose to marry. And what does Mordecai say? Who knows whether or not you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this? 
we can be in these situations in our work if we if if it's difficult in our singleness if it's lonely in our marriage if it's stressful because god has put us there and we can remain with him joseph is another bible character that many of us look to over and over again in, in genesis it says but god was with joseph when he was a slave in potiphar's house doing work that didn't suit him he had dreams to be, to be the ruler of the world didn't he with all his brothers bowing down to him in potiphar's house in slavery but god was with joseph in prison when he'd been falsely accused in a circumstance that was unfair but god was with joseph in the prison before pharaoh when he's interpreting the dreams god is with him when he's governing egypt god is with him whatever the circumstances of our life they cannot stop us giving undivided devotion to God if we remain there with him. Remain with God. I've written a paragraph here to help me capture nuance. You do not need a spouse to remain with God or to fulfill your God-given purpose. Likewise, husbands and wives, you do not need to be free to remain with God, to fulfill your God-given purpose. Remain, remain, remain with God. Uh, a few other verses from the Bible. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Father. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. You are serving the Lord Christ. Whether you eat or drink, even in our eating and drinking, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In whatever situation, you can remain. And when I was going over this talk with my wife last night, she was like, Paul, how do you remain? What, what even does that mean? So I've got a few ideas of what it means to remain. As we search the scriptures, we can find more. Uh, just going to these quickly, they're not in the passage. I think it's really helpful to pray. Invite God into your work, into your marriage, into your family, into your singleness. Pray prayers like Moses did in Exodus. Lord, if you don't come with us, what will distinguish us? God, in my work right now, it's difficult. I feel like I can't devote myself fully to you. Please, can you help me? In my marriage, I'm finding it difficult. I find that waking up this time is distracting me from having times of quiet with you. Lord, in my singleness, I'm lonely. I invite you to be my comfort. Pray, invite God in. You don't have to pray sitting down. You could go for a walk. Maybe your life circumstances doesn't give you much time to sit down and just ponder with a candle lit in an armchair. Maybe you just go out and walk. Jesus walked and did his prayers. And the second, uh, second way that, that I find helpful to remain with God is to read my Bible, and not just that, but let it bear on my daily life. So when I read the Bible, I'm looking for things that God's saying to me to do, like change this, do this, think this way about this situation. I'm not just reading it for information, I'm trying to read it, God transform me, so that I can see things how you see them. Jesus said about the wise builder, didn't he? He said, if, if you hear the words and you do it, you're like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. So to say again, whether you are married or single, financially independent, serving God in the mission field of China, sitting at a desk, or wiping nappies, 
remain there with God. Whatever it looks like, remain there with God. Only let each person lead the life that God has assigned to him and to which God has called him. It's purposeful. God doesn't do it by accident. It's purposeful. So brothers and sisters, in whatever condition each of you were called, let them there remain with God. That's, it's, this, this talk is like two sides of a coin because it's going to seem like I'm saying opposite things. Um, and I'm asking God to help me join these together. Uh, because Paul doesn't stop there. So he's like, yeah, remain in your singleness. Remain in your marriage. Remain as a slave. Remain as a freed person. Do that. That's wonderful. And then in verse 29, he gives the best marriage counseling advice I've ever read. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they have none. Have you ever read that in a Christian marriage counseling book? I haven't. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as if they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as if they had no dealings with it. Paul is saying this weird thing. is like, remain in this situation. You can give undivided devotion to God in this. And now, kind of live in a way that you don't really pay any attention to it. Like, walk away, husbands. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? God, uh, Paul, and God, through Paul, is not saying... Abandon your wives and children. He's not saying to mourners, put on a fake smile and pretend everything is all right. He's not telling us to pretend and to fake. He's not telling us to quit because before he's already told us, remain in that situation with God. So what does he mean by this? If, if, if you have wives as though you have none, if you're mourning as though you what What does he mean? And I think in order to understand what he means, I think it's helpful to look at the reasons he gives in this passage for why he's saying this. Because straight after this, after he said, and those who deal with the world as if they had no dealings with it, the first reason he gives is for, or because, the present form of this world is passing away. In verse 29, um, it says, this is what I mean, brothers, the appointed time has grown very short. The first reason Paul is giving for us to live in this weird place of, like, I'm not married, or I'm not mourning, I'm not rejoicing, I'm not trading in the world, is because this life is temporary. This life is short. Do we accept that over our marriages and over our singleness, over our emotions, our circumstances, whether they're good or bad, even over our possessions, over our phones? This is temporary, this will pass, the time is short. Jesus said at the resurrection, you will neither be married nor given in marriage. And then Revelation says, there'll be a wedding feast of the Lamb, and us as the church will be presented. This marriage relationships we have, the singleness we carry at the moment, the work we have, is all temporary. Paul is saying this. Do we accept it? And the barn builder, we had the parable, didn't we? The, the barn builder, he's like, oh, I've got all this wealth. I should build another barn. And God's like, fool, exclamation mark. Fool, this very night your life will be taken from you. It is temporary. We should not hold onto it tightly, but lightly. Ecclesiastes 7.2 says uh, an interesting thing. It's very countercultural. He says, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. So it's better, in other words, to go to a funeral than a wedding. Why? For the end of every man is death. 
that's very counterculture, isn't it? We all prefer to go to a wedding than a funeral. But here, the 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 writer of Ecclesiastes, the wise guy Solomon, is saying, actually, no, we need to be reminded over and over again that this life is temporary. So what does that mean? Maybe the reason that, that what Paul means when he says that those who have wives live as though they have none, mourning as though you're not, rejoicing as though you're not, buying as if you had no goods, dealing with the world, is because actually I want you to see that these things, your marriages, your work, your possessions, your emotions, the things that sometimes we, we do value quite a lot, they're all temporary. This present form of the world is passing away. The second reason he gives is in verse 35. He says, I say this all uh, for your own benefit, not to lay a restraint on you. I think when we read this, we can feel kind of restrained, like <laughs> you're impacting my life, Paul. That is quite restrictive. He's saying, I'm not saying it to restrain you, but to promote good order. Good order. This word in Greek is, I'll butcher it, yushkamon, which means honorable to promote honor. And I think the reason Paul is giving here is I want the church to have, to have a culture of honor towards one another. And Paul is like predicting that there'll be divisions between people. There's potentially like there to be divisions between people who are married and single. There's potentially there to be divisions between people who are happy and those who are sad. There's potentially there to be divisions between people who are rich and people who are poor. And I think he's quite right in some respects there are invisible lines occasionally in churches and in communities where people are different from each other and Paul is saying no I, I want a culture of honour to promote good order the, that, that word good order comes up again in 1 Corinthians when it's in chapter 12 where he's talking about the parts of the body which we're going to come to in a, in a few weeks he wants us to work together Paul is saying, live as though you don't have wives, rejoice, don't rejoice as if you rejoice, and don't mourn, because actually I want there to be unity in this, in this church. And that's a theme throughout 1 Corinthians. Uh, interestingly, the word for hospitality in the New Testament is xenophilia. Xeno as in xenophobia, like stranger, the other, philia as in love. Hospitality is loving the person who's different from us, who's a stranger. And that's what Paul is doing. Is we need to be a hospitable church, a church of honour, where you bridge those gaps where this world may have put invisible lines of division. So what does Paul mean going back to it? Those who have wives should live as though they're not. Part of it is because this life is temporary and we should hold on to it lightly. And part of it is because we are a bigger body than just married couples and single people and people who are employed and people who are unemployed we're a bigger body and we should be united and then the third one um, verse 32 this comes up over and over again in the passage I want you to be free from anxieties the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord how to please the Lord but the married man is anxious about worldly things how to please his wife and his interests are divided and the unmarried man or the betrothed, uh, and the unmarried or the betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about the worldly things and how to please her husband. 
verse 28. But if you do marry, um, yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. And then finally in verse 35, I say this not for your own benefit, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay a restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to God. The third reason is Paul wants us to be focused on serving the Lord, not our little spouses and family castles and things and not our singleness and career pursuits, not our emotions and our worries and our anxieties and our, our joyful moments and our stressful moments. Don't, don't serve those. Focus on Christ. He has purchased you. I say this to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. It's possible even if you're married, have undivided devotion. It's possible if you're single to have undivided devotion. Therefore, we need to be vigilant and watch our mindset and not hold to these things too tightly. But also, we need to stay there and remain with God in those moments. Father God, I thank you for your words. Uh, cut out in the memories of these people everything that wasn't from you. Uh, and and, and uh, nurture the seed if, if there is anything from you in this. Father God, we want to be people of undivided devotion to you. We want to be people who pursue your heart like David. Lord, uh, but we're often prone to blaming our circumstances for not letting us do that. Lord, I pray that you'd help us see how we can remain in these situations and these circumstances with you. Lord, I pray this week that you just challenge our hearts, you'd speak to us, you'd guide us in ways to, to honour you with all of our lives. Lord, like, like that song said, where the whole realm of nature mind would be an offering far too small. Lord, we want to give you everything we have. And I pray you'd help us to see our circumstances and, and the things in our lives as tools to do that and as ways to do that and as means that you're in control of to use. God, send us out here fully committed to you. Amen. We thank you all for wrestling with that passage for us. Um, and uh, if anyone's thinking, why is the vicar giving him that passage, not doing it himself? I, 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 it's because he's very good at it. So there we are. Just also say, um, just a, a footnote to um, Paul's words, which have been really helpful this morning. Uh, the report the, the to remain. Um, is is uh, really important, but if anyone finds themselves in a position uh, where they are um, suffering from any kind of um, uh, violence or abuse, um, then I'm sure Paul, our Paul, and this Paul would be the first to say that uh, those are moments when you need to speak and tell somebody uh, and act. Um, and in our church and in our church shared life we would never want anyone to hear these words, which are really precious words about living for Christ in the situation that we find ourselves. Uh, anyone to hear those words uh, uh, as if they meant that we should continue in a, 
in a, in a situation of abuse. So if that is anyone's experience, please do uh, come and uh, speak to me or to our prayer ministers during communion or afterwards. Uh, we want people uh, to remain with the Lord, uh, but to be free from anything that might uh, be harming uh, or damaging them. So just a, just a, a, a footnote to that.